Well, good morning. Welcome to the first week of a series called The Teacher. You probably, when you look back at your academic history anyway, you have teachers that you really loved, right? Everybody have one of those? And then you had some teachers that like, okay, why did I get paired up with this person? Maybe they were just doing it for a job and they really weren't into it. But the ones who were into it and really wanted to impart knowledge and experience, they probably had a huge impact on your life. I know the ones that really felt that in my life, they had a huge impact. And to this day, I still remember those teachers. So we're going to take a few weeks and we're going to look at Jesus as the teacher You've heard us talk about what it means for him to be Lord, what it means for him to be Savior, what it means for him to be the Son of God. But what does it mean that Jesus is the teacher? Jesus is referred to about 90 separate times in the first four books of the New Testament. 60 of those times, he is called teacher. We're going to look at what that means. Now, I really like reading top 10 lists and and I, I read like, you know, the top 10 uh, best ways to do this or the top 10 investments or the top 10 things to avoid. And, and I came across this list called the top 10 leaders of antiquity. And so I was interested in who number three was because that's Jesus. He didn't even make the top. Unfortunately, the top leader of, of history, according to this list, was Muhammad. Number two was Sir Isaac Newton. How did he beat out Jesus? I don't, I don't get that. Jesus, number three. Buddha's number four. Confucius is number five. The Apostle Paul, surprisingly, made the list. Number six, uh, Kai Lun. You're going to have to probably Google that. C-A-I-L-U-N. Uh, Gutenberg, number eight. Columbus, number nine. And Einstein, number ten. Why wouldn't Jesus be at the top? Because... He taught more. He influenced more of history than all of those combined, if you think about it. Think about our major educational institutions in the U.S. Many, if not most of them, were founded upon the idea that Jesus is who he says he is. The idea that God created us. The idea that Jesus is Lord and that he's Savior. He influenced the worldview more than any of those others that I read, that I read. He influenced our country more than any of those others that made the list. But if you took a class about Jesus at a public university, you'd be hard pressed to find any friends of Jesus validating his teaching. Now there's exceptions, but by and large, it would be really hard to find anyone especially a public university that would say, okay, this is why the teachings of Jesus are valid. But from a purely historical perspective, Jesus should be considered more historical than all of the others. But people have objections. I mean, some people think, well, maybe, maybe it's just all a big mistake. Maybe the people who followed Jesus and wrote down the words in our Bible, which is primarily where we get information about Jesus. There's some other sources, but mostly it's from the Bible. Maybe the people that followed him, they were just mistaken. He really didn't raise from the dead. He really didn't raise other people from the dead. That stuff just, they were just fooled or mistaken or so much in love with this teacher. And he was so charismatic. They just made mistakes. And so that created this thing called Christianity that we 
are all a part of that are here today. I mean, it, could it be a mistake? I don't know. Mistakes happen all the time. This week I got an email from Godiva Chocolate. Now, it wasn't spam. It was the real deal. Because the head of HR at Godiva Chocolate, like the worldwide, I went to the website, checked it out. It was legit. His name is Kevin Williams. And my personal email account, my me.com email account, is one letter off from his. And so I got this string of emails, the HR department talking about how much to pay people for comp time. And a couple of people who've been asking for comp time pay and them trying to make the decision. It was very entertaining to read. I even got, I even got a guy's pay stub with his social security number and everything on it. I'm like, this is a mistake. So when I figured out, okay, it's not somebody fishing for information from me. I just emailed and said, hey, you got a typo in your email, uh, just so you know. And I heard nothing. It was silent. I'm sure it's like all these other emails like, you idiot, can't you not get the right email address? It's one letter. You got a D and a W transposed. And now you sent this to some guy somewhere else in the world. People make mistakes. I was reading this uh, little joke about this couple who made a decision. They were tired of living in the north, tired of living in Michigan, and said, we're going to move to Florida. And the husband said, I'm going to go down one day ahead of you. I'll go ahead and get checked into the place. We're going to stay temporarily, and I'll get things ready. And then you come on down after that. You come on down later. And so he gets there. He opens up his computer, and he decides to email his wife and let her know that he is down there in Florida and he's safe and he messes up one letter in his email and he emails this 85 year old lady who had just lost her husband the day before. And here's what the email said. The subject was your recently departed husband. And he said this, Hey honey, I just arrived and got checked in and everything is ready for your arrival tomorrow. P.S. It sure is hot down here. I don't know if that's true, but if it is, it's funny. That's a huge mistake. So what if, so what if all those things we read about Jesus, what if that's just a mistake? What if people just loved him so much, they just wrote this stuff down because they just felt it. And it was just honest people writing things down about someone they loved very much. Have you ever had your account hacked, your Facebook account, your email account? I get emails from people sometimes and it says, don't open any emails from me. Somebody got my password. They're sending out emails. Please don't do it. Or I'm sorry for those 200 and some Facebook messages that you got. Somebody got into my account and posted all that stuff. Bill Gates is really not giving away money. Uh, My company didn't misorder 6,000 iPads that they want to give away. If you just repost it, somebody hacked my account. That goes on a lot. So what if it was a mistake that they wrote all this stuff down about Jesus? What if the message of Jesus has really just been hacked throughout history? And what if all of the things we read about Jesus and where we have placed our trust, what if all that is, is true, but our culture has just hacked it? And there's, cause there's a lot of false information out there about Jesus, about everything, false information. And you come here, we open up the Bible, we talk about God, and we say, hey, we, we want you to read this because the words in here will make your life better. Your marriage will be better. Your finances will be better. Your kids will be better. You'll be better parents. You'll like your job more. You'll be more content. Just read these words. And if you're a little bit skeptical, 
you probably are thinking, that sounds a little far-fetched. That I'm going to read the words of a book and get involved with a group of people and everything's going to be better. Well, the words in this book, I believe, are, are true. And I'm going to give you some reasons for that. But I also believe Jesus, the teacher, has been hacked. The historical accuracy of his message has been overlooked and kept out of reach. I mean, what I'm going to share with you today is not stuff, you're probably not going to hear this stuff on the evening news. At least not as, hey, we finally discovered this big truth. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now because we're going to read in there today about some things that the teacher said. We give these out every week at LifePoint. If you don't have one, raise your hand. It's yours to keep, or you can just borrow it and leave it in the back on the way out, or you can also follow along on the screen. So the foundation of everything we're talking about in this series is going to come from the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those four books cover about three years uh, specifically of the ministry of Christ. That's where we get most everything that we know that Jesus said. That's where we get almost everything when we say Jesus said this, Jesus existed, Jesus was crucified. Almost all of it, not all, but almost all of it comes from those four books. And those four books are just a snapshot. You know when you go on vacation, you don't capture everything. You know, like we're walking out of the house, we're getting in the car, we're driving down the road, we're turning the blinker on, we're paying for parking, we're getting in the... You don't do that. You shouldn't. It's weird if you do. But you don't do that. So what you do, you get snapshots of your vacation. Here we are in front of this historical place. Here we are in front of that landmark. Here we are at this tourist attraction. And it's just a snapshot. That's what these four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are. They're a snapshot into the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. They're not everything that he did. He did a lot more than is written down in these books. In fact, in one of the books, the book of John, he writes and says that. In John chapter 21, verse 25, he says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So what he's saying is, there's a lot of other stuff. I've just written for you a snapshot of the life of Christ. But there's a lot more. And if I wrote it all down, the world couldn't hold the books because he did so much. So are these snapshots that we have an accurate way to get a picture of who the teacher is and what he wants us to know? So when we read, if you open up the Bible, some Bibles are red letter, means all the words that Jesus said are in red. Are those red words and ideas true? Are they real? Or are they mistakes? Or have they been hacked by our culture and by the world? Because when, you, when you're addressed with looking at Jesus, he, Jesus is not just a good guy to follow. He's not just some cool guy that's going to help you out in a bind. He's not just an idea. He's not just a guy that wants you to be happy. Jesus is our teacher. And he's not a teacher in the list of all other historical teachers. Jesus wants to train us to be just like him. So could our culture have hacked, be hacking and have hacked the message of Christ? Now, when we, when we come in this room, there's, everybody can be put in one of these three groups. There's the group of people who are on the outside looking in. 
You're, you're not sure if you believe. You came here with your husband or wife because, well, they asked me to come to church, so I'm coming, and lunch will be much better if I go to church first. Maybe your parents drug you here, and you're just saying, all right, I'll go to church because mama says go to church. Maybe your kids drug you here because they like what happens over there in the cafeteria with 252. I mean, we're here for a lot of different reasons, but maybe you're just here and you don't quite believe it. You're not quite sure. You're pretty skeptical when we start talking about the words of this book, making your life better and Jesus coming to live in your heart. All that sounds kind of strange. And so you're just kind of skeptical. You know, I, I was right where you are if you're skeptical. There was a time I sat out there where you're sitting going, I'm not sure about this. Yeah, I heard about it growing up. Didn't really see it make a big difference in people's lives. Is this just another philosophical way to live that makes people good. Is that what the, and I had all those questions. So if that's you and you have this, those questions, we love for you to come to our church. You're why we do what we do to help, help people who are skeptical, get their questions answered. And you're at a safe place to ask some really hard questions. Some will know the answer to many. We will not, but you're in a safe place to ask them. So some people here in that group, then there's another group of people who you're on the inside and you're looking out. You believe in Jesus. You say, yeah, I believe the words are true, but it would scare you to death if somebody said, prove it. Tell me why you believe those words are true. Tell me why you believe the words in the Bible, the ones that are in red, are really the words of Christ. And, and kids, you, those, those of you in high school and college, if you have a professor that doubts it and tries to challenge it and stretch your mind, you, you would be scared to death if you had to give an answer like, no, no I, I really think they're true and here's why. Well, if you're in this group, I think I'm going to give you some things today that you can talk about to engage in a conversation, not an argument, but a logical, intellectual conversation about the validity of what we hold in our hand, hands that tell us about the message of Christ. And then there's another group of people that you're kind of in, you're kind of over here for a while and you come over there for a while and you're like, I'm in, no, not really, I'm out. And then you, you got doubts. You know, you, you look, you watch something on TV and see that, well, well, hey, mermaids existed after all. Have you seen that special? And, and maybe, maybe, you know, how can the Bible be true if mermaids exist, you know, because they're not mentioned. And I saw something about dinosaurs, you know, and, and well, I see dinosaurs. I'm not really sure. How could the Bible be true uh, when it never talks about uh, the, the word dinosaur obviously isn't in there, but it, we never really see about what dinosaurs are. And, and so I kind of jumped from one group to the other. And I just have doubts if I'm in this group and it's okay to have doubts. I've had, I've had doubts and things have maybe happened in your life emotionally that have rocked your world and made you think, how could God really be who he says he is? I've had to deal with doubts since I've been a pastor. Are these things true? One of the times that I dealt with doubt more than any other and I struggled and I really had to get alone with God and work through it was when a good friend called me and said, my, my daughter has been in a car accident. She's seven years old. Uh, she was in the back seat. She's on life support. Could you please come? And so I drive the six hours, go to the hospital and I get there and it's really not good. And so I'm, I'm taken into this room with a couple doctors the mother, the father, and the doctors are just saying, this is not good. Uh, we, we don't think she's going to come out of this. We can keep her 
organs, we can keep her breathing and keep her heart beating, uh, but she'll never walk. She'll never move anything. She can't move her arms, legs because her neck was broken and her spinal cord was severed. And, and, and you know, we, we just want to advise you that there's, there's going to be no quality of life. And so the mother said, well, what does that mean? And what it meant was you need to decide, are you going to take her off life support? Or are you going to let her live like this? Which she, they could have kept her alive like that for a long time probably. And so I just remember the, the parents, just the agony, the, the tears, the anguish that I heard in that room as they're trying to decide what do we do. And ultimately they decided it was best to take her off of life support and put her in God's hands. And the nurse stayed in the room and said, in the little conference room, and said, do you, do you want to go be with her? And the dad had already left. He just couldn't deal with it. And the mom said, I can't, but Donnie, would you go sit with her while they remove everything? And I was like, Whew. I mean, you can't say no to that. And I said, yeah, I will. So I go in there, and this beautiful little seven-year-old girl that we'd known since birth, just absolutely stunningly beautiful, is laying there, everything's being unhooked, and I'm holding her hand, and I don't know if she can hear me, but I'm telling her to, it's okay to go be with Jesus, and everything's going to be okay, and, and, and she's going to get to run and walk, and all that, you know, I was just saying all the things that you'd want to say to somebody when they're getting ready to go in the presence of God, and she died. And I can remember driving back, really having a hard conversation with God, thinking, all right, so you exist, and I read scriptures, and I teach people scriptures about you caring about people, so I don't get this. I'm going to need some help. Because intellectually, I understand that we live in a broken world and bad things are going to happen. People are going to leave. Relationships are going to break. Uh, tragedies are going to happen. People are going to hurt each other. People are going to die, even, even innocent little children. I, intellectually, that's not that hard to understand. But emotionally, when you're right here, it's easy to doubt. So my goal is we go through this series and you hear You hear the teacher talk to us about love and about grace and about mercy and and challenge us to live differently and to think differently. It will help you and, and wipe the dust off of your doubts. And if you're scared to to really vocally talk about what you believe, I hope this series will help you feel like you have enough ammunition to to develop a conversation with somebody about why you believe what you do. So there's a few questions that we have to answer if we're ever going to believe what Jesus said and that Jesus is our teacher. One, did Jesus even exist? I mean, that's a legitimate question. Did he exist? Well, if you don't even use the Bible, never open the Bible, you can read that a guy named Jesus did live in what we now call the Holy Land. He was crucified. He was followed around by people who loved him, who were dedicated to him, and who also believed that he rose from the dead. I mean, that, that can be found without ever opening the Bible. The most compelling evidence that we have are those four biographies in the front of our New Testaments, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But how do we know those are even accurate? So it's easy to prove Jesus existed, that he wasn't just a made-up being. But how do... How do we know that all the other stuff just is even true? If you've ever been to one of our starting point classes, it's a 10-week class that talk about the foundations and the fundamentals of faith and how God's story and our story and sin and grace and forgiveness all fit together in salvation and heaven. And it's an awesome class. This fall, we'll be offering several more 
sessions of that, and you need to sign up for it if you've never done it. Because what I'm going to share over the next few minutes comes from the starting point material. So if you're taking notes, you're going to want to write some of this down. I'm going to throw some numbers at you, some, some things that maybe you never uh, thought about before. So how do we know the things that Jesus taught really happened if 95% of what he taught, or more than that, is recorded in the book that claims it's what he taught? I mean, it, it claims itself. So how do you know that's true? Well, first question, did he exist? Yes, we can prove that. Second, are the words in here credible? Are they credible words to reveal the words of Christ? Because we don't have anything signed that says, oh, my name's Matthew and let me sign this so they'll know I wrote it. There's no sign thing by Mark. They're not signed. It's not like, okay, here's a signature and here's a bunch of witnesses and notary public and all that. That doesn't exist. So how do we know these words are true? Well, let's just stack it up from a purely historical perspective against other historical works. For example, the works of Plato, not Plato, Plato. Plato is considered one of the most important figures in history, even though he didn't make the top 10 list. But he's considered to be one of the greatest influencers of Western thought. And hopefully he didn't get through high school without at least hearing the name. And the number of manuscripts we have to verify Plato's writings is seven. There's seven of those manuscripts that, that you can say, well, okay, we got seven manuscripts of these things written by Plato and things written about him. So there's seven. And then there's, there's the Roman world. Caesar had these kind of memoirs written about his, his wars and his conquests. And now you got to remember, it's a politician writing about his success. So, <laughs> I mean, that's suspect to start with. But so... Caesar had this other person write, and it's, it's, it's about the, the Gallic Wars. And the Gallic Wars, they're taught in universities. People teach them, read them as history. And the number of manuscripts to support that all those things actually happen is 10. And then there's probably, there's some Greek mythology that we've all heard of. Homer, when it comes to the Iliad, that's where he, like the one, one-eyed monster and all that Crazy Greek mythology that was written. Great piece of classic literature I've heard. (laughs) I've never read it. I doubt you have either. Maybe a couple people have, but I haven't. So if you wanted to say, is this real? I mean, it's fiction, obviously, but did this guy Homer really write this stuff down? Can you verify that? Well, there are 643 manuscripts to support that this guy Homer really wrote these fictional mythological accounts. That's not bad. 643, not too bad. You could say, well, that's probably accurate. Seven, that's iffy. But 643, it's hard to forge that many without a copier. So probably we can say, we can agree that, yeah, I think those are true. Well, then we look at the four books of the New Testament that we're really basing all this series on, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that talk about Jesus' teaching, that reveal more about him than any other work, that are held in suspect and ridiculed by so many. Well, how many manuscripts do we have supporting that these guys wrote this stuff down? 24,000. You can Google that if you don't believe me and look it up. So seven, academia says, yeah, this is is good stuff. 10, 643, 24,000. 
So there's a lot of source material for us to read to see, well, has this been hacked along the way? I mean, this is, this is really good stuff. I mean, it helps you trust the words of Christ a little bit more. But still, even with 24,000, could it have been made up? Absolutely, it could. It could have been made up. Are there any eyewitnesses? Well, yeah, there are eyewitnesses that you read about in the book that talk about, yeah, I saw eyewitnesses, and that's what an eyewitness that saw Jesus raised from the dead told me. And you need eyewitnesses to, to really prove things. And the closer you can get to the eyewitness testimony, the closer you're going to get to truth. If I wrote a book called The Successful Presidency of Dan Quayle, you know, if you were around in the late 80s, early 90s, you would say, well, that's not true. I was around. You know, I know 25 years ago, he wasn't president because you were eyewitnesses. I mean, I can remember 25 years ago, just about like it was yesterday. So when we look at these works, the ones I just mentioned, Plato, for example, 1,200 years after he lived is the earliest manuscript that we have. No eyewitnesses could have all been made up. Caesar's Gallic Wars, a thousand years after the event, 1,000 years before the first manuscript, the, the earliest manuscript that's found. And also Buddha's teaching, 700 years separate his life from the earliest manuscript. And then when you look at the gospel, only 25 years, 25 years represent the, the, the distance between when the events happen and the earliest manuscripts, which means there would have still been eyewitnesses around when these things started to be written down. I mean, that really leans in favor of, hey, maybe the words in here are true. Maybe they were really written down. So we know from what I just told you, Jesus cannot be discounted as fiction. His teachings couldn't have all been made up by his followers who were just deeply in love with him. They are real. So as we go through this series, and you need to know you're hearing real words spoken by a real historical person that have real meaning. Now, academically, you, you have to concede, if you want to become a student of the Bible, you have to concede that as translations have taken place throughout time, that there have been some grammatical errors, maybe a couple of things added in the margin, maybe some geographical errors, things like that. But if you add all of those up, None of them have a major doctrine of Christianity built around them. They're just simple human errors. None of the good news of Christ is affected by what some would call textual errors. Even if you can see that all of those, yep, they're errors or they're insertions, it doesn't affect the good news of Christ by one translation being superior to another. H.G. Wells said this, I am a historian. I'm not a believer, but I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. So when Jesus makes claims like in John 14, if you really know me, you'll know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. That's Jesus claiming to be God. That's Jesus' words coming out of his mouth saying, I am God. And when you want to find God, look at me. So even all, with all of that evidence that I just gave you, that you can trust 
with historical, with reasonable accuracy that the, the words that we read are the words of Christ, you're still left with two options. Is, it's either the last question to ask is, is he God or is he a fraud? I mean, that's really the only way you can see Jesus because if, if, he's, if he's God, then he's not going to lie and deceive and judge and, and mislead people. He wouldn't do that. If he did do that, then he is a fraud. So if we can, with reasonable accuracy, trust the words that we have in front of us, other words of Christ, and he said these things, then we have to conclude and we have to make the decision, is he God or is he a fraud? And if you look at the evidence, I think it's so clear what the answer for every person needs to be. Jesus said this about himself in John 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. So in this first message in this series, you need to take away that you can trust him. You can trust those words. You can trust the ideas and the things that Jesus talks about. So don't miss any more of the rest. Don't miss any of the weeks of this series as we continue to jump into things that Jesus taught. And just so I don't leave anybody with maybe a misunderstanding, our faith is not in the fact that there's 24,000 manuscripts with the earliest one dated only 25 years after the events happened. That's some really cool stuff to know and to be able to engage in conversation, but that's not where we place our faith. Our faith and trust is placed in Christ. So whether you're on the outside looking in with doubts, you're on the inside looking out with fear, or you're just kind of washed back and forth that you don't know, let me read this verse to you to tell you what's most important. And what's most important is not all the stuff I just told you. Here's what's most important. 1 Corinthians 15, the apostle Paul says this, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said. That's what we have to know. He died for our sins, just like the scripture said. So join me in this five-week journey to look at the teachings of the teacher who we can trust, who wants to extend grace and forgiveness and mercy to everyone. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the way we can just see your works for what they are. And may we learn more about our teacher as we journey through this series. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.